The following audio is from the Grove Church Snohomish campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Grove Church Snohomish, here we are. I love it. It's a lot of fun to be here today. And as Andrew said, we go way back. Um, Actually, that picture is like a monthly gathering. We show up monthly and kind of, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, We look for the best uh, weather and sit in my backyard and put our feet in a kiddie pool. No, that video, uh, that picture, sorry, was pretty uh, pretty epic. So uh, he, he asked me for it. I almost didn't give it to him, but he's my good friend. So uh, as, as he said, my name is Aaron. Uh, I think I've got a family photo because I know not everybody's met my family. Uh, incredible kids. They're gorgeous, amazingly gorgeous wife. Uh, this is Ab- Cassandra and then Abigail, who's five, Gideon, who is 18 months. Uh, he is one of the most social kids in all the world. If you see him outside, he'll probably want to pick you up or have you pick him up if you're a guy. If you're a girl, he might play shy. So uh, just be prepared for that. Uh, it's an honor to be here. I love being a part uh, of the Grove Church. I've been a part of the Grove Church uh, for just over six years now. Uh, and I love what God is doing uh, through the Grove Church, especially lately becoming two locations, but still one church. It's such an honor uh, and exciting to see what God is doing here in Snohomish. Uh, so well done. Keep it up. Uh, we came to Snohomish because the people of Snohomish matter, and they need to know there's a God who loves them like crazy. Amen. So we're excited to be here. Uh, I get the privilege today of opening up our Christmas series called Spread the Cheer. Uh, look at your neighbor and say, Spread the Cheer. I'm, I'm a pastor who likes to interact a little bit. And so if you go silent, I might think I'm like not doing a good job or I might feel like I'm, you know, kind of rambling a little bit. So make sure you're kind of engaged with me. It helps me. Uh, and I'm just selfish that way. So I have the microphone today so I can do that. Uh, today, spread the chair. We're talking about the idea and the reality of Christmas season. Uh, we can get caught in a routine and a rhythm. I don't know about you, uh, where we remember Jesus is the reason for the season. We should have joy. But the truth is, it's not always a joyful season. Uh, and so today, as we launch this series, I want to encourage you to lean in. I want to encourage you to remember two things. First is this, he is the reason for the season. And two, don't forget that. We can become familiar with the story, even the passage we're going to read in just a moment. We can become very familiar with it. Can I caution you to not let it become familiar? The promise that I hold to today is that God says that his word is alive and active, which means it's not stale or worn. So as we read this passage in Luke in just a few moments, don't let it be stale or worn out to you. This is the Christmas story. This is the reason for the season, which is why we get to spread cheer this this year. So I'm excited about it. But before we get there, uh, I thought it'd be fun to uh, highlight Christmas a little bit. My birthday is Christmas Eve, so I'm supposed to do this as part of who I am, I guess. Um, But I haven't always been someone who loves Christmas. I went through the routines. I went through the motions. I just wanted presents. Uh, and it's been fun over the last dozen or so years that there's just been this anticipation with Christmas. I've actually really enjoyed this Christmas season. Uh, Christmas is in full bloom at the Den Home. Uh, we have our Christmas tree. Thank you to Molly's trees. We have, uh, we've done Christmas thing upon Christmas thing upon Christmas thing. And it's funny because I don't know if you feel this way. I feel like I'm late to Christmas. I feel like I'm doing things and I'm late to Christmas because Thanksgiving was so early. I'm like, I think I'm behind. When do we need a tree? When do we need to go to Snowflake Lane? When do we need to go do the lights of Christmas? Uh, and thank God there's still plenty of weeks left to do these things. Um, but here's what I, I know. When you have kids, Christmas takes on a whole new meaning, doesn't it? I've got a couple photos of my kids specifically helping out with Christmas. This is my daughter, Abigail, who's doing what she does best, helping mom go shopping. 
So we, we are participating in the gift as well. And as she was shopping, she found something she just wanted to hang out in. This girl is so excited about Christmas. She's so excited about participating, not just watching. She wants to be all about buying presents. She was super bummed we didn't get to make mom breakfast in bed this morning. She was really hoping to give her her birthday present because there's something about the joy that she brings to Christmas that is so exciting. It brings a new, fresh look to Christmas for me personally. This picture is a little dark, you'll forgive me, but it's of my little boy, Gideon. This is his like real first exposure to Christmas. And this is right after we set up our Christmas tree. He just stopped there for a moment. And with the iPhone, you've got like these live photo options. If you push and hold this picture on my phone, you'll see him kind of stand there just looking at the tree. It's so fresh. It's so fun. It's so exciting this year for me to watch my kids fall in love with Christmas all over again. And my hope for us today is that we would fall in love with the reason for Christmas all over again today. And I hope that's your hope, because if it's not, you should make it your hope, because that is important. As we were talking about Christmas, um, we were driving around, I think, the week before Thanksgiving. I'm, I'm an individual who believes that you should celebrate Christmas after Thanksgiving, because Thanksgiving is its own holiday. Thanksgiving is its own thing. And some of you can disagree or agree with me, that's okay. But I, I'm a firm believer that you should wait till after Thanksgiving to celebrate Christmas, so my wife and I, the week before Thanksgiving, were running some errands. My kids were in the car. And my little girl, Abigail, looks, or leans over or says to mom, can we listen to Christmas music? No, it's Thanksgiving. But here's, here's the truth. When you see my little girl and you see how sweet she asks things, it's hard to say no to her. So I looked over to my wife and I found a compromise. I'm a big Starbucks eggnog chai fan. I call that Christmas in a cup for me. Uh, it's what I love. It's my Christmas drink. When we go downtown Seattle or we go hang out with family, like I have to have that with me or it's not Christmas. We went Christmas shopping the other day. I have to have that or it's not Christmas. And so I looked over at my wife and said, listen, if Starbucks has eggnog and I can get a Christmas drink, we can listen to Christmas music. I'm compromising. I'm trying to give a little bit here so uh, and really just get what I want out of it. Um, so we're in the car. We go to the Starbucks. We find out they have eggnog. And I'm just like, Psh, Christmas music in the den car. Here we go. And we went jingling all the way home. It was awesome. Uh, but here's the, one of the things that I realized as we're listening to Christmas music with my eggnog chai sitting in a car. Christmas is really the most incredible time of the year. It's an incredible time. And this is why. As we're listening to these songs about Christmas, there's almost this joy and excitement. Do you feel that when you hear Christmas music? Like, there's almost like this, the little kid in me is like, Santa! Like you, there's this like freak out moment of like, there's so much excitement because Christmas is coming. There's so much anticipation this season. And I believe this, that how you view Christmas right now depends on your perspective, not whether Christmas is an incredible season or not. And I believe that's the tension to walk through today. That how we per perceive Christmas depends strictly on our perspective. See, you can be someone who looks at Christmas and Black Friday shopping and be like, man, I don't want to deal with grumpy people, grumpy sales workers that have to stay up till the wee hours of the morning just to provide for people. Now, whether Black Friday is right or not, we're not getting to that argument, right? But we have a perspective of Christmas shopping. We can have this, like, I don't want to deal with people. Or we can have this perspective that we get to shop and buy things for people we love. There's joy in giving. There's joy in giving to those we care about. There's joy in recognizing that we've been given so much so we can give something. 
There's joy in that. It's a perspective thing. We can, we can have this perspective of, man, there's so many demands and expectations to show up to this house and this house and this house. We just watched four Christmases, my wife and I did. I gotta go here and I gotta go here and I gotta go here. I just, oh, I just wanna go to Fiji. That was the tension. We can feel this weight and this tension of being caught in the demands and expectations of people or we can realize, man, I get to be with people I care about. I can anticipate being with those I care about. It's a perspective shift. We can focus on what we get or we can focus on what we get to give. There's a difference there. I believe how you look at Christmas, your perspective, your outlook is what really determines your view of the Christmas season. And I believe that the same thing, like even as I was watching How the Grinch Stole Christmas, because I'm all about Christmas movies and Christmas time. I think I watched two when we were setting up our tree. I think that's what we did. It was awesome. One of them was How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Cindy, little Cindy Lou, who was walking around with her dad downtown, everyone's just, everywhere's a madhouse. Worse than Black Friday shopping. People are like throwing money at the cash register, and the person can't even give them their change before they're out the door. And Cindy Lou, who's walking around with her dad, sometimes carrying this massive amount of presents, and she's asking this question, is this what Christmas is all about? Is this it? And I don't know if you ever feel that question. I don't know if you ever feel that tension. Is this really what Christmas is about? Yeah, it's about Jesus. It's about coming to church. It's about singing Christmas carols. I used to never like Christmas carols in church, by the way. (laughs) I just want to worship Jesus. They are worshiping Jesus. But I remember wrestling with this question as I'm watching this movie. I feel the same way. If we're supposed to spread the cheer, don't we first have to understand why we have cheer? Don't we have to change the way we look at things? And so today, as we read through this passage in Luke chapter 1, I want to encourage you in something. The reason why we can sing about reindeer and Santa and snowmen and snow, because anybody wants snow for Christmas, I would love snow for Christmas. If you don't want snow for Christmas, I will pray for no snow at your house, but everywhere else. But there's a reason why we celebrate Christmas, the reason why we give gifts, the reason why we light trees, the reason why we put lights on our house, the reason why we do Christmas is because of Jesus. We can celebrate these things, but we got to remember the reason why they have meaning is because he came 2,000 plus years ago to redeem humanity. This is why we do what we do. And so as we read Luke chapter 1, I want to remind you one more time. This isn't meant to be a stale reminder. It's meant to be fresh. God's word is alive and active. And so as I read the next few verses, I want to encourage you to tune your heart and say, okay, God, if you've got something fresh to say to me through these verses, say it because I want to hear what you say. I don't ever want to come to a gathering like this and miss what God wants to say to me. It says this in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. This is the birth of Jesus being foretold. This is when the angel Gabriel shows up to Mary, who was a virgin and engaged to be to jo- married to Joseph. Hasn't really happened yet. And Gabriel shows up in the middle of all this. Says, hey, by the way, got something great for you. It says this, verse 26. In the sixth month, of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent this angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David, which is important for the biblical prophecies. Verse 28 says, Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. For you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son 
of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she, was conceived. she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. If you have your Bibles, you should underline that because that's some powerful truth. Verse 38 says, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said to me come true. Then the angel left her. Can I pray with you this morning? God, I thank you today for December 9th, 2018 for Grove Church Snohomish and what you're doing in this city through these people. Lord, I'm so honored to be here and I'm so excited to see your work, your spirit move, your presence show up and empower your people to reach a community that needs to know there's a God who loves them like crazy, who sent his son thousands of years ago, laid down his life so they could have life. And Lord, I pray that today that you would bring favor and hope and peace to this people. I pray that they would not just be people who receive it, but God, I I pray they would be people who share it, who spread it to the communities they're in. God, I pray and I thank you for Pastor Andrew and Amanda, Lord, the, the friendship that we've had over the last many years. And God, I pray that you would continue to pour out favor and blessing. God, even as I was watching him dedicate his little girl to you today, Lord, I thank you for the work you're doing in this man's life. And I pray you will continue to empower him, continue to surround him with people who love and believe in you and who are passionate about reaching the lost for you. I pray that you would equip him with everything he needs. I pray you would bless them. Bless our pastors today. And God, we pray for the the few moments we have in your word. May it not pass by quickly, but may it pierce our hearts like you promised it to do. Thank you that it's alive today. Thank you that it's active today. And even in a story like this, we can be reminded of your truth today. So Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. So we read this story and if you're anything like my family, I grew up listening to this on Christmas Day. We still read this on Christmas Day with my family. So it's a very familiar passage. And so sometimes I think it's really hard to to really understand something that we're so familiar with. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know that story. And so I want to take a few moments to break it down for us, but and then kind of bring it to a point of tension and also clarity as far as circumstances, because I believe today the challenge that you will receive, my, my hope is that you'll walk out with, you know what, God, help my perspective to be on you, not my circumstance. Because we cannot spread what we are first not capable of holding on to. And I want to remind us today what we get to hold on to. But bef- So Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 27, this is a passage. Mary has a great life right now. She's engaged. I remember many, many years ago, about nine years ago, the season of engagement that I got to, wa- got to walk through with my wife, my now wife. She wasn't my wife then. And I remember how much fun it was, how fun it was to tell people that I'm engaged, how fun it was to tell people this is my fiancé, and although it was long distance and I got to show a picture more than introduce a face, I remember the excitement of that. And in in ancient times with Mary, this was a binding contract already. Like if engagement today, like there's still a chance to peace out. There's still a chance, like, you know what, this is a dry run to see if I really want to do this. My youth pastor used to tell me, like, listen, until there's a ring on both fingers, 
she's free game. I'm like, whoa, 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 bro. Like, pump the brakes a little bit. But the truth is, in, in ancient times, when she was engaged, it was a binding contract. She knew who she was going to marry. It was a great season for her. It was exciting for her. And so she's just minding her business, walking through her life, doing what she's doing. And all of a sudden, it says, Gabriel shows up. Now, see, I'm reading this passage in my, oh, she's getting set up. Here we go. And then the angel says, hey, greetings, favored woman. I'm like, don't listen. Have you ever watched a movie and like, like, don't go in there. Like you're trying to talk to the characters in the movie. Have you ever done that? I do that with the Bible sometimes. And I'm reading this passage. I'm like, Mary, don't listen. He's going to set you up. Why? Why do I feel that way? Because I don't like inconvenience. I don't like my life being ruined when I have it figured out. And if I've learned anything in this last season, oh, God is all about his will, not mine. God is all about doing things the right way, the best way, not my conveniently awesome way. And see, the funny thing is, Mary has this moment where Gabriel shows up. He says, hey, greetings. Your favorite. The Lord's with you. And I love Mary's response. This is one of my favorite verses in, in this entire story. Verse 29 says this. Confused and disturbed. Two incredible words. First off, she's confused, like, who are you? You just showed up in, like, my room? Like, oh, like, hmm, hold up. Like, we're super skeptical nowadays anyways, because we've watched so much. Anyways, she's, like, confused first off, like, what just happened? And then she's disturbed. Thank you for validating my feelings. Because confused and disturbed is not a fun picture. See, Mary's response was not all candy corns or unicorns and rainbows. Candy corns too, I guess. I don't like them. But that's not her response. Like, oh, the angel showed up. What do you got from this? She's like, hold up. Who are you? And what are you telling me? She's trying to gather, engage. What is really going on here? I love what Timothy Keller says in his book, Hidden Christmas. He explains it this way. He says, the Greek word here means to make an audit. Pump the brakes for a second. Anybody like audits? Anybody, like, when you hear the word audit, you're like, man, like, Jesus is showing up. There's no joy in audits. There's no excitement in audits. There's, like, it's tedious. It's, it's, it's rigorous. It's a lot of work to be done before an audit even happens. I don't know if anybody, I've never met anybody, being totally honest with you, that has told me they enjoy an audit. So Timothy Kelly says, this is what the Greek word means, to make an audit. So Mary is literally auditing Gabriel right then and there. Let me validate everything you're saying. It's an accounting court is what Timothy Keller continues on. It means to be adding things up, weighing and pondering, to be intensely rational. Of course, she is quote-unquote troubled, as any normal person would be by such an apparition. She is asking, am I really seeing an angel? Is this a hallucination? What's going on here? She does not immediately accept the message, but instead asks, how can this be? I want to step aside for a moment and say this. We have to understand doubt is normal when God shows up. Doubt is normal. I think some of us, in my, even in my lifetime, we are afraid of doubt. We feel like if we have doubt, then we don't have faith. When I actually would argue the opposite. Because there is doubt, it actually shows that there is faith. You can't, you can't doubt if you don't have faith. So when, when, Mary shows, or when Gabriel shows up to Mary, it's this picture of like, I need, to, I need to doubt this for a minute. 
Because doubt is healthy and normal. Doubt is not a problem. God is so big, doubt is not an issue. Don't be afraid of doubt today. Some of my greatest seasons of seeing God show up in my life is when I doubted. God, I don't even know if you're really there, but this is what I believe you to be, that you're good and your love endures forever. I need you to prove it right now. For three months, that was my anthem. I remember sitting in college, that was my anthem. God, I don't know if you really care about me, but I know you say you're good and your love endures forever, so prove it. And it wasn't angry, it wasn't malicious, it was out of doubt and honesty that God was able to work. See, doubt is not a bad thing. Can I just encourage you today? Doubt is normal. It's the response to doubt that changes our circumstance. See, when a moment of doubt happens, we have one of two options. We can take one road and say, you know what, God? I don't know if I can believe this, and I don't want you to help me, so see you later. When we run from God because of doubt, we're actually doing ourselves a disservice because if we instead lean on doubt and run to God to help us process and understand, that's where faith is even stronger. When we allow what God is doing or allowing to happen in our lives to draw us closer to him, our faith is encouraged, our faith is strengthened, our faith is only magnified. But if we, in the middle of doubt, decide to walk away, decide to turn away and say, God, i got to figure this out before I come back to you. Being a youth pastor for so many years of my life, I remember hearing all the time, our problem is helping students, when they get into college, have a strong faith. And I feel like even in my own season of youth ministry that I failed and missed it because I don't think we have a faith issue. I think we just have an understanding of doubt. What do I do when I doubt? Well, i got to figure this out before I can determine whether I'm a Christian or not. No, because I'm a Christian, I want, I want to figure this out. I don't think we have a faith as much as we have a lack of understanding of doubt. See, Mary's response reveals to us doubt is normal. It's okay to doubt today. It's okay to be angry today. God, why did you let this happen? I would rather you say that. I think God would too. You say, God, I'll figure out my emotions and then I'll come back and talk to you. God, why is this going on? God, why is my circumstance suck? You can use other four-letter words. Like there, there's something about being honest with God, but not malicious or pointed that God's faithful in. He wants your honest prayers. He doesn't want your Christian prayers. See, doubt is a normal part of it. And Mary's modeling for us. God shows up in inconvenient moments, which causes doubt. But she wrestled with the angel, if you caught the picture of that. The angel Gabriel says this, because he knew what Mary was thinking. He says, hey, you're going to have a baby. His name is going to be Jesus. It's going to be incredible. Obviously, it's Pastor Aaron's paraphrase. I'm going to put out a publication later for it, but not right now. I'm kidding. So obviously, there's this moment where the angel recognizes what she's thinking. She, he recognizes the doubt and the, the confusion and the, and the struggle there for a moment, and he answers her question. And then she comes back with the simple question, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. How? This doesn't make sense in my human brain. I, I, what you're saying does not add up. How? She takes what she was wrestling with and continues to wrestle with God with it. She continues that. 
Why is this important today when we talk about spread the cheer? Because we can't spread what we don't first have. If we don't have strong faith, we can't encourage others with our faith. If we don't have cheer or joy, if we don't understand the reason for the season, we can't freely give it. Some of us, I feel like today, just need to know you can struggle and doubt and still follow faithfully. God's still working. God still cares. And he cares for you in the midst of struggle, in the midst of your circumstance. Mary asks, how can this happen? And I think it's the point to us today, it says, it's simply this, that we will not always understand how, why, or what God does what he does. But that's not the reason for our cheer, our joy, or our hope. The plan is not the source. The plan is not what provides us with peace. The plan is not what provides us with hope. The plan, having every dot or I dotted in T cross, is not what brings faith. It's Christ. It's God who is the source of our faith. It's God who is the hope that we cling to. And Mary's response in those moments with the angel Gabriel reminds us today that it's not circumstantially dependent whether or not I have cheer and joy. It's relationally impacted when we have constant relationship with Jesus that we have cheer and joy and hope and peace. Nothing dictates our joy except Jesus. But we will let, if we're being honest, we'll let our circumstance dictate it. Well, today is a bad day. So therefore, I have no joy. I'm grumpy. Have you ever seen the Grinch in the moment of transformation? Why did his heart begin to grow? Because his perspective changed. It wasn't about the stuff. It was about the spirit of Christmas. How are you today with Christmas? You hear this phrase, spread the cheer. Are you, are you one who can spread cheer? One of the things we have to realize is we're always constantly spreading something. We can spread joy. We can spread angst. We could spread despair. We could sp- spread gr- gloom. We could spread peace. We're constantly spreading something. There's always something. We're not idle. There's not a, our, our, our clocks continually tick. We're never able to stop because we're always moving forward, which means we're constantly doing something. And you and I are called to spread cheer, not hoard it, and not to spread other things. See, the holiday season is meant to be one of cheer and of joy. Cheer finds its origin in this passage of scripture. See, the anticipation of Jesus' birth is the source of cheer for you and I today. This Christmas season, it should not be dependent upon whether we get the gifts we want, whether we're reconciled to family members, whether we get the job promotion that we're hoping for. I think of Christmas vacation. I don't know why all these Christmas movies come to my mind. But he was building his joy around a bonus. Christmas vacation, awesome. And when he didn't get it, he destructively started interacting with Christmas stuff at his house. 
the reason Christmas exists is not because of Santa. One of the things that my wife and I decided, I think it was a couple years ago, or maybe it was last year, that we don't want our daughter just to get so caught up in Santa that we forget or neglect, meaning me and my wife, raising our daughter to understand the meaning of Christmas. There's this book we bought, I think last year, called The Kneeling Santa. And it's a story of Santa who makes it a priority to go at the end of all of his runs and dropping off all of his toys, all the good little boys and girls. He goes to one last place, and that's the manger. And he, he kneels down at this church. He walks in, he kneels down, and he, he takes a moment to remind himself why he does what he does. And part of our Christmas tradition, and I'm not saying you should steal this, and this wasn't in my notes, but I just want to say this. Part of our Christmas tradition is reading that story and then hanging an ornament that coincides with the kneeling Santa. Because the reason Santa carries joy is because of Jesus, not because of Santa. That's the reason for cheer this year. That's the reason for you and I, no matter what we're facing, to have cheer to spread this year. Do you have that cheer? As I was thinking about and praying for us today, I was thinking about all the different things that we could potentially face. I don't have an exhaustive list because I don't know every single one of your stories. I don't have background or context or history information, but what I do know is that we all face things all the time. And I feel like some of you may be facing sickness with you or your family. Maybe there's loss of some sort. Maybe it's loss of a loved one, loss of, of a job, or there's loss happening in your life today. Maybe there's hardship. Maybe what you're dealing with and walking through right now is not easy by any means. Maybe it's not convenient. Maybe it's very, very difficult. And that's a, that's a circumstance that you're, you're na- navigating right now. Maybe your marriage is struggling. I'm, I'm amazed right now of the different marriages that I have seen and know over the last dozen or so years of my life that have struggled Marriages that I've seen since college that were they were vibrant and incredible only to end in divorce. It, it's, it's heartbreaking to me because I don't believe that was ever the intent of marriage. Biblically, that's not the design. But maybe your marriage is struggling today. Maybe that's a circumstance you're walking through. It, doesn't, it, it, it robs you of cheer. If you are not careful, it will rob you of cheer. Maybe there's relationships you're dealing with. Maybe it's a relationship with a kid, a child. Maybe it's family relationships. Maybe you're, you're dealing with financial hardship, another trial, which in and of itself is not an easy one. Maybe you have this addiction that you seem to not be able to get over and it just continues to control your life. And the list can go on and on and on. And if you take a moment of honesty today, that they're robbing and dictating your cheer and your joy this morning. That as we sit here on December 9th, 2018, you would honestly say to me, Aaron, I'm not sure I have this joy you're talking about because I look at my life and it's not what I thought it would be. And my response to you, if we were literally one-on-one at coffee or hanging out individually, had a really good relationship because sometimes we're like, why would you do that? It's just weird. But my response to you would be, that sucks and I'm sorry. But praise God, he is the source of our hope. Praise God, he's the provider. Praise God, he's the redeemer. He's the reconciler. Where we don't like that answer is because then it's not about us. 
in my own selfishness, I strongly hate inconvenience. I strongly, and that's a strong way, and I know, and, and I even try and tell my kids, like, don't, hate's a strong word. Like, yeah, but I, I, I don't like being uncomfortable. I don't like being inconvenienced. It's not fun for me to do things that I'm not comfortable doing. But it's not always about us. And I think that's sometimes the hard part. We don't have cheer because we make it more about us than we make it about Jesus. My hope today is that you can walk out here with a new sense of cheer because it's about Jesus. It's not about you. We do inconvenient things for him because it's about him. We launch a campus in Snohomish as a church because it's about him. We, we look to do things. We, we say this all the time. It's part of our code. We give up things we love for things we love even more. Church does not exist for us. We are the church and we exist for the world. We will do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Christ. We will will lead the way with irrational generosity. We believe it's more blessed to give than receive. You want to start spreading the cheer, realign your focus with who Jesus is and the fact that he's the reason for the season. I love being able to hear my daughter's statements about Christmas her excitement, we were at the Cedar Crest in Marysville, the lights, the, the tour of lights or whatever it's called. And she saw Santa come out of, this is his home, dad. And I'm like, oh, baby girl. <laughs> but there's so much excitement about him and about this season. And it's so much fun to be able to, to, to hear her tie it back into Christ. Or for me to be able to walk her through reminding her of Jesus being the reason for the season. See, one of the things that I love about as I was studying this passage, it says this in in, an ESV study Bible that I have. It says about Mary that she was a recipient of his grace and therefore could say, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. See, in verses 46 to 48 of this chapter, it's called the Magnificent. In other words, it's a song that Mary is singing in response to all that has happened. At this point, she has run to go see her, her relative Elizabeth, who's six months pregnant, and there is some excitement in that conversation there. And then when you jump to verse 46, it says this, and I'm just going to read just a couple of verses to launch into this. It's an incredible song that I think you should, should spend time reading this Christmas season. It says, Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on, All generations will call me blessed. If anybody had any reason to complain about her circumstance, it was Mary. Engaged to be married to this great guy named Joseph. And God shows us, hey, you're going to have my baby. You're going to have Jesus. Okay, awesome. Fast forward nine months. A census is called by the government. She has to travel between four to seven days, depending how long it took, the, took them, on the back of a donkey, about nine months pregnant. Awesome. I've been around pregnant women who are nine months pregnant, and the last thing they want to do is ride a donkey. <laughs> and it could be a curse of the comfort we get to live in in America. But the last thing... 
I've been married to a pregnant wife of nine months. The last thing I want to do is put her on a donkey. <laughs> Love you, babe. Happy birthday. Not only that, they show up to Bethlehem. There's no room. There's no inns. There's no hotels. There's no Motel 6s. There's no Best Westerns. There's no Marriott's. There's nothing. Hey, I got this stable out back. Let alone, it's probably more comfortable than sleeping where she slept on the side of the road during the journey of four to seven days. Not only that, she gave birth to her son in a barn. There's a passage in in Luke chapter 2, and I didn't have this written down because I wasn't going to go here. But it says that Mary stored up all these things and treasured them in her heart after Jesus was born, after this journey. If anybody had a reason to complain about her circumstance, it was Mary. And she says in verse 46, my soul, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. My hope and challenge to you today is can you call yourself a recipient of God's grace? And if you can, which we all can, do we echo what Mary said? I had this picture of a spreader. Uh, One of the things that I had is a little handheld spreader. You put seed in a fertilizer and you just walking around doing this to fertilize your grass. The house I lived at before the house we're in now, grass needed a lot of work. It was a rental, so I was lazy, and I didn't do as good of a job as I could have. But you walk around the yard doing this. You put fertilizer in there, and you keep going, and keep going, and keep going, and keep going. My question to you today is, what's in your spreader? Is it your circumstance? And here's the deal. Circumstances are difficult. I'm not trying to minimize them. I'm not trying to say they don't matter, and they, don't, they aren't significant. What I'm saying is your source of cheer lies in Jesus in the midst of your circumstance, not because of your circumstance. So my question, again, is what's inside your spreader today? As we launch this series of Spread Your Cheer, if we miss this, we will struggle to get the rest of the series over the next several weeks. So what's in your spreader today? I'm going to pray for you and then hand it back over. God, I thank you today. For your faithfulness, I thank you today for your love. I thank you today for your grace. And Lord, even as I read this passage, God, even as you know the challenge and the conviction that you've given me, Lord, I pray that you would help each of us to be reminded of your grace that's given so freely. That much like Mary, we could say the same thing. God, that we are recipients of your grace. And Lord, may we always choose to rejoice in you. I pray over every heart and every circumstance here this morning. God, I pray that nothing I said would become insensitive, but God, I pray everything would be filtered through your love, through your truth, and Jesus, through you, who you are. I pray for favor. I pray for reconciliation. I pray for provision to happen for your people today. Lord, as they leave, that they would have a sense of excitement, a sense of anticipation, knowing that, God, you're my source. These things don't matter. Only you matters. So God, I pray as you continue to lead in God every bit of what what you're doing, God, I pray our focus would only be on you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Snohomish Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.